What's up, Victory family? How y'all doing this morning? Do y'all love Jesus in here? Come on, somebody. I love being here. So good to be with you here at the Norcross campus. We have people joining us from United Kingdom, South Africa, and China. And we have some very special people joining us right over there at North Cobb. We're all together today. North Cobb, make some noise. Not North Cross, North Cobb, make some noise. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, been so good. It's been a while since I've been here, but I'm excited to be here. God is doing great things over in the Kennesaw, Ackworth, Marietta, uh, Canton, Woodstock area, North Cobb. And I just want to say I love that family. I love you, family. And it's so good to be able to be able to minister to both, both North Cross and North Cobb at the same time. People are being connected. The church is growing. Great things are happening because of what God is doing in victory. Give everybody a hand for that. That's awesome. So we're continuing in this series. Pastor Johnson last week, he, he took a moment to talk uh, or to mention or go through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he'll come to judge the living and the dead. Then it goes on to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic or Universal Church. Then it says this, the communion of saints. Now, I want to pause right there because this is one of the overlooked aspects of this, of this creed, the communion of saints. And here's what, here, here's what I want you to know. When we're talking about communion of saints, saints are holy ones, holy ones. Saints are holy ones. It's not just a few exclusive people who have been canonized over history who have done great works. That's not what a saint is. It's not someone coming who, uh, who is dressed in black and gold coming out of Louisiana. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's definitely not what a saint is. A saint is not, is not the last in the NFC South. Come on, somebody. Come on. Let's go. We're going to go. I couldn't, I couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist it. No, that's not what a saint is. A saint is every Bible-believing believer of Jesus who have believed on the name of Jesus that ultimately will be ushered, ushered into eternity with King Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to know. What that means is you're a saint. I think you got to get that in your spirit because one of the lost words for who you are in identity is that you are a saint. And what this creed is saying is saints are meant to be communing together. Look, look, look at this. Turn to somebody and say you're a saint. You mean, now, now think about that. That, that. that even feels uncomfortable because, because you know the stuff you do, right? Come on. You know how it is. Like, to say, I'm, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm a saint. The reason why it feels uncomfortable, because 
Because we don't understand that when the Bible is talking about the saints, it's talking about the community, it's talking about the communion of saints. What it's saying is those who are in common unity, common unity, common union, the, the primary identifier of who we are is community. Paul would go on to say, he would say, he would say, he would say in the Bible, in Acts, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Philemon, Hebrews, Jude, and Revelation. He would all, he would always address us this way. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, it says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, if you think about what was happening in that church, 1 Corinthians, you would not call any of those people as saints. But Paul called them saints, and the Bible and the creed declares and continuously re reinforces that saints are meant to commune together. Say that, together. Yes. Together. The, the idea, the idea is that when we are together, that we're in community, we're in community together, there is a power about that. There is, a, there is a, a, an identity surrounding that, us being apart and set apart together. Sanctified means set apart. That means we're set apart together. That means that often, as often as we can, we get together, we meet together, and that's what Jesus declared, that's what the Bible declared, and that's who we are. So if you are not coming together or if you're not coming to gather, y'all with me? You are not fulfilling the way that Jesus designed us to walk, and that is in common unity, in community. And this is what we're talking about today. We've been, been in this anchor series. And when we speak of anchoring, if you stand if you're, if you're going to stand through the storms and still be standing after the storm, you're going to have to be anchored in community. That's what we're talking about today. Are y'all with me? North Cobb, are y'all with me? That's my wife. Amen. Oh, shout out to my wife. It was her birthday yesterday. Thirty-seven years old. <laughs> Praise God. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> There's a power to being anchored in the community of believers. Do you know that some of you experience that? Because in this time, if we don't come together, if we don't bond together, if we're not together, then we run the risk of what the scripture is talking about in Matthew. 24, what Jesus was talking about. It's familiar scripture over the context of this series, 24 and 12. And it says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Look at what it's saying. Jesus is talking to us, the saints, when he says, when lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. I want you to look at this way. It's saying because because of the disregarding of God's boundaries will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Saints, don't let your love grow cold. Yeah. 
I just, I'm just stuck on that word. I think we need to get that word down in our spirit because, because it, in, in, in what we do, it, it, when the Bible talk about saints, I looked all through the scriptures, and it never says that singularly. It always adds an S to it. It's always plural because we're all together. And the idea is your love will grow cold if you walk in isolation, if you walk in individualism, if, if you are independent. And I know our society and our generation, the idea is that the more independent you are, the more powerful or the more strength you have. No, that is not a strength. The idea, the reality of it is, is that the Bible says that the enemy is going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And any of us, all of us know this. If he can catch you away from the crowd, a lion is looking for the one that is away from the crowd. Especially if you are a new believer in some kind of way, don't let the enemy trick you into telling you that you don't need to be around other Christians, Christ followers, saints, or believers. I heard, there was, there was someone who said this statement. I believe it was, her name was Lisa Roscoe. He said, she said, baby Christians are the devil's snack food. Come on, somebody. But we need community. And it's important that we have, have community. And I know sometimes when we talk about community, it's like, yeah, I know that, Pastor. We talk about that. And it kind of falls on deaf ears, and we kind of grow numb to hearing it. But in a season like what we're in right now, I want you to know this, that while we're saying season's greetings, you know, Merry Christmas, and we're all excited, there's some people in this room and there's some people online right now that you're not excited about this season because you're lonely. <clears throat> Loneliness is counterintuitive to who we are. God said about us, when he formed us, he said, all of these things are good. He said, but it's one thing that's not good. Humankind does not need to be alone. You know, Adam, he gave Adam the, the, the beast of the field and had all the rabbits and the chickens and the giraffes and the snakes and, and spiders. <laughs> and he said it. We haven't found someone who is suitable for Adam. It's not good for him to be alone. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When, when it comes to aloneness, listen, it's not enough to have a relationship with pets. Let me go over here. <laughs> Y'all ain't listening to me. Some of you feel like you're not alone because you got a pet. No, that, that's, not what God, that's not what God fully intended. He's talking about people. He's talking about people. I remember, I remember there was this, this time my, my wife was ministering to, to someone, and this was nobody here. This was back in the day, all right? And, you know, when you're pastoring, you know, you get some strange calls. One of the strangest calls my wife got one time was from a, from a lonely person. Now, they didn't know they were lonely, but we, we knew they were lonely because of the call. Four o'clock in the morning, my wife gets a call. I'm laying over in the bed, and I'm acting like, uh, you know, I'm asleep, but I'm listening. You know how we do that, right? Make sure, you know, make sure everything good. <laughs> come on, come on, somebody. Oh, y'all with me, North Cobb. You, you hear me, right? Make sure everything. So she's talking on the phone. There's a commotion going on, and I, I, I get off. She gets off the phone. I'm like, who's calling you at four o'clock? <laughs> 
And there was this young lady that she was ministering to that was upset because her roommate had stole her pet turtle. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. See, here's what I'm saying. God didn't call you to be that affectionate to, to pets more than he is to people. She actually fell out with a roommate because she was, a, God didn't call you to be like that with pets. He calls you to be that with people. It's not good for man and mankind to be alone. I want you to think about this. Listen to this statement. Even the devil did not want to be kicked out of heaven by himself. Even the devil didn't want to be kicked out of heaven by himself. It is counterintuitive for us to be alone. So here's what we want to know, what we have to do. In order for us not to grow cold in this time and co grow cold in this generation as things happen and boundaries are, are loosed and, and all types of things happen, the, all, in order for us to not grow cold, we're going to need to be bonded in community. We're going to have to be with people. Turn to someone and say, don't let your love grow cold. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let your love grow cold. North Cobb, say, don't let your no love grow cold. Are y'all with me this morning? Because one coal, one coal out of the fire grows cold by the second. You pull a coal out of the fire, it begins to grow cold by the second. Let's take a look at a scripture because when we're talking about community, I believe that it is in the fabric and foundation of the scriptures and who Jesus is, what he told the disciples, what he described in the Bible is found all throughout the Bible. Now, I want to take you through a story. John 21, 21 and 9, starting at verse 9, Jesus has resurrected from the grave and he's appeared to the disciples twice. Peter decides... Look, I'm going fishing, and he takes six other disciples with him to go fishing. And, and while Peter's out fishing, um, one of the, uh, Jesus shows up on the shore and yells out to the disciples, and they recognize as Jesus. Peter dives in the water, comes to the shore, and when he comes to the shore, this is where the story begins. John 21 and 9. It says, then... As soon as they had come to land, they saw, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. What happened was, uh, they were not catching any fish, and Jesus told them, cast the net out again, and they caught 153 fish. And so, Jesus tells them, hey, bring some of the fish which you have, which you have just caught. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lamb. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed 
my sheep. Now, I want us to slow this story down, and I want to pull out the scenario, the scenario we're in. The scenario we're in right here is Jesus shows up for the third time, third time to express a very important message, very important message, pulls up to a fire just like this. The disciples are out. Jesus turns on the lights of fire. Y'all like that right there. <laughs> I knew y'all would like that. That's why I brought it. Turns on the fire, gets the fire going, gets the heat going. The disciples comes in. Jesus starts the fire, and he cooks some fish. Now, this is important, though, because I want you to understand something. Um, the Last Supper, the quote-unquote Last Supper, uh, before Jesus went to the cross, happened in John 16, right? John 16 is when the Last Supper happened. This right here is really the last, last supper. This is, this is the supper after the supper. You know, the first last supper was formal. This is the fish fry. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? This is the fish fry. This is where all the formalities go out the window. Jesus is cutting straight to the chase. He's going to kick it to Peter raw. Look, John 13, all the way through John 16, Jesus gives a big speech on all the things. But when we get to right here, Jesus has a specific message for Peter. And when it all boils down to it, he gets the fish fry going, the disciples come in, and he says this. He says, if you love me, you love them. If you love me, you need to be with them. If you love me, you need to share and do life with them. If you love me, you need to, you need to get away from what you're doing right now and get back to business. Get back to what you are called to do. Because see, what happened was, what happened was Peter had kind of got weary. And what Peter did is what most of us oftentimes do. We, 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 we get a flame of fire going inside of our hearts and we go for a little while. And then after a while, the flame dies. We kind of disconnect a little bit and we get off course and we get back to doing what makes us feel good and what's good for us and not necessarily thinking about the call that Jesus has on you as a saint and thinking about the call that Jesus has on your life. And oftentimes what happens, we just drift out into see and to and do our own thing. And what Jesus was coming back to tell Peter is, hey, Peter, you need to get back to being with the saints. You need to get back to being with the people. You need to be, get back to feeding the sheep. Because here's the thing. Peter was a sheep. He wasn't the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. So he was saying the sheep need to be with the sheep. Jesus started a fire in that moment to get Peter back to the community, to the communion of saints like he intended for it. And what happened from that fire right there? What happened from that fire? We read it in the Bible. Jesus ascended and fires started all over Jerusalem. It started all over Jerusalem because the fish fry that happened on that beach, Jesus got Peter to focus in on the main thing. Somebody say, keep the main thing the main thing. Matter of fact, let's, let's say it the right way. Don't say thing, say thing. <laughs> 
Keep the main thing, the main Like you from the South. Because if we don't, we get off course. We disconnect from the intention and the belief and the, and the call of God on our life. And what we see in Acts chapter 2, 44, what we see is what happened is fire started all over Jerusalem. Fire started all over the community. Acts 2, 44 and 47 and it says, all who believe were together, everyone say together, and had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, the proceeds to all as had, it had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the, their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now think about this. Just notice that it says they were together breaking bread, eating food. Do you realize that was the same thing that Jesus was doing at the Last Supper and at the last, last supper? Jesus modeled something that oftentimes in our current generation we forget about. We forget about the gathering. We forget about coming together. And I believe it is one of the ploys, especially in this, in this season, of the enemy that is causing us to grow cold. But we have to keep the fire going. We have to keep the fire going. We have to keep gathering people and keep the fire going. That's what God intends for us to do. John 13 and 35, he says, by, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. If you have love for one another. That's what Jesus was saying. Peter, if you love me, meaning love God, take care of my sheep, love people. Love God, love people. And here's what I want us to know, us all to know or be reminded of. We can't continue to love people at a distance. You can't love people from social media strokes or keyboard strokes. You have to love people by being in proximity with people. And one of the things that happened in the earth over the last couple of years is that there has been a distance that happened. And we feel like it's okay but what I'm finding out as we come out of this quote-unquote COVID season, what I'm finding out is that there are some people who have drifted away and have been lost in this season. And what the fire represents, coming back and being close to the fire, it represents God's pre his presence, it represents his protection, it represents purification, it represents passion, it represents community. Community. So i got three points for you. When we're thinking about the fire... Number one, community keeps you close to the fire. Community keeps you close to the fire. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. Are y'all with me? It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying, let us consider how to stir one another up. Do you know, do you understand that 
you are not able to keep yourself on fire by yourself. You know, when you look at these wood pieces, one of the things me and my wife love to do in, in cold season, we love, as soon as it gets just a little bit of chill, we love to start a fire. Love to, but one of the things we learned is that when it comes to starting a fire, you have to have the pieces together close in order for the fire to continue to burn. You can't start, you can't start a fire yourself. Jesus may start a fire inside of you, but that fire will not continue unless you get close to other people who are on fire. You hear what I'm saying? We can't just, we can't just have a, a, a just me and Jesus mentality. Can't be, even Jesus wasn't just Jesus and Jesus. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus may start a fire, but it's going to take people in your life. It's going to take relationship so that fire can continue inside of you. I want you to think about this. Jesus understood this. Jesus came to earth after Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. He's baptized. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted, into the wilderness, tempted in the wilderness. Immediately after he has his first battle, real battle with Satan, Notice the first thing he does. He goes and get 12 people to be in his circle. Even when we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when the enemy comes back for a more opportune time, we find that Jesus, when he goes in the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes three close people. He didn't just take the 12. He took three close people, meaning he took an intimate, intimate group. And what we can learn from that is that the crowd the crowd is not enough. Just coming to church and going out is not enough. What we, need, what we need is to have an intimate group of people that know us. Because when we speak of communing or communion, that is having intimate conversation. That is intimate fellowship with people who believe. And the idea is that we can't grow and do life in roles, we have to grow and do life in circles, facing other people. Here's the thing. It's not, it's not enough for you to be seen, you know, by thousands of people and not known by any of them. I need to say that again. It's not enough for us to be seen by thousands of people and not known by any of them. We have to realize the importance of this. Oftentimes, what I find in relationships now is our relationships are 100 miles wide and one inch deep. You hear what I'm saying? And we all know, we all know that, then, that when something happens, you can't go to all of your relationships. You need a couple of people that really, 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 really know you. And if you don't have a couple of people that really, really know you, you're in trouble in this life. Now, let me, I want to say a little, a couple of saved people. Let me, you hear what I'm saying? A couple of people that just, they're not just going to let you do anything. You need a couple of people that are, that are friends. People who know you intimately, who can tell you about yourself. 
How many of you ever needed somebody to tell you about yourself? You see that? Keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. Husbands and wives, look at each other. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What it's saying, look, you got a lot of fr friends, but no one knows you. That's not enough. You need some people who will stick and stay. Some people who stay right by your side. You should think about this. The ultimate title that Jesus placed on his disciples were not disciple, apostle. The ultimate title that was placed on his people was friends. This, see, what God wants for, wants for us is friendship. You think about it. God called Moses friend. God called Abraham friend. Even Jesus, Jesus, when we look at how Jesus interacted with his disciples, when we look at John 15 and 15, look at what it says. It says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. He's saying you need some people that know you because when you get with people who know you, they start a fire within you. When you get with people who know you and you do life with, there's a fire that happens because there's an authenticity. There's a rubbing. There's, a, there's an iron sharpening iron. There's a closeness that as your flames come together with real, authentic, and true self, then you begin to kindle a flame, and that's what was happening in Jerusalem. That's also what happens in small groups. That's what happens when you come in community with close people. And I'll tell you, look, one of the greatest places, one of the greatest places to find friendship is right here in the church. Now, I know sometimes you don't think that way, but the reality of it is, is that all of us, all of us in some way, shape, or form, we need the grace of God. And sometimes we come and say, I don't want to, you know, have friendship with those church people because church people are fake. You fake too. <laughs> I had to say that. I had to say that. All of us got a little pretend in us. But that's why you need people who know you to bring that out of you. Need friendships. I want to bring a couple of friends. I want to bring some of my friends up on the platform. I'm not going to sit on this big bench by myself. I'm going to get them a hand as they come. I got some friends. Now, all of these, these friends right here, these are, remember I said you can find some good friends in church? These are friends that I, we, we can sit down. These are, these are friends that, I, that I've met in church, being in church, uh, being right here at Victory. We have Nick Purcell, who I consider to be a good friend of mine. Um, all of us are at different stages in our relationship and friendship relationship. Me and, me and Nick primarily, you know, we talk about like theological things. We talk about family things, getting to know each other, and we just have deep conversations about the things, things of God. Then we have you know, BJ, I've known BJ, known all of them for some years, known BJ for uh, a little longer than I've known Nick, and uh, we just kick it, chill, we talk about all kinds of things. 
of life, family, beautiful family, him and Lindsay. Um, but we've been in relationship and community together for, for, for years. And it began right in here. And then we have Cindy and Maya, her and our, her husband, Jonas, extremely special to, me and, special to me and my wife. When I got to Victory in 2010, they were the first small group that I was a part of, Jonas and Cindy. When the Lord spoke to me in 2011 about going and leading a church in, in the Cobb, Marietta area, but after my wife, Cindy and Jonas was the first person who heard that conversation in 2011. Amen? 2011. So we've been, we've known each other for some time. And here's what I would just say. I would just say this to you, Cindy. <laughs> and Jonas. If it was not for us sitting at that table, I remember the night we sat at the table in your house, sat at the table at Cindy's house, and we talked about the dream that God had put inside of my spirit. And the belief that they had in me, not even knowing me for a long, long time. I wasn't on staff here at Victory. I was just in the congregation, and I'm so glad that I was a part of they, their small group. It took them a minute to call me back to get in the small group. I'm going to say that, too. I'm, I'm going to always say that. So don't give up hope if you've tried to be in the small group. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you're trying to get into a small group, don't, hey. But they were busy. They had other things. They were getting back to me, and they got back to me. Cindy, I actually, when my first job here, I was working under Cindy. My first volunteer opportunity, I worked under Cindy. So much happens. Look what happens when you begin to build relationship in the church. Now, here's the thing. It, God begins to unleash and unlock things inside of you that you didn't think you had inside of you. So I just want, I wanted some, some, some people to come in and sit by the fire with me and just display what community looks like, what it should look like. And there's other relationships that, that, that I have, but we don't have enough room for, for all of you. So don't call me uh, this evening saying, Pastor Darius, I must not be that important. No, 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 no. It's this right here that keeps your heart, your passion, your fire going for Jesus. It's times, it's times where Nick would call me and ask me a question that makes me dig deeper about theology. It makes me dig deeper about the structure of the church, how we're set up. It makes me dig deeper. There's things like that that makes, that, that makes it's things that BJ would do that would inspire me how he had, his, had community in his church, how so many people... Thousands of people have lived in your home. I mean, <laughs> are y'all empty now? Y all, y all, did you get everybody out for a season? Just for a season. Just for a season. So many people live. But those kinds of things, when, when, when I see BJ opening up his home, I've opened up my home. I say, man, I'm, I need to get back to that. Because BJ is like, BJ's killing it with open up, opening up his home. Are you, did you charge them rent? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But the inspiration of community, being close, knowing people, here's what I'm saying. Like, I don't just want to tell you, hey, you know, go and do community. I want to tell you, there's, there's relationship, authentic relationships that keep you going. That days when you're not doing your best, 
Like there's weeks that you're not doing your best. Life is hitting you with all kinds of things. Sometimes you lose direction. You lose your compass. You don't know where you're going. You need people to talk to. And if you don't have that friend circle, that group of people, what will happen is you'll get dislodged from what Jesus wants from you. And oftentimes the reason why we get dislodged is because we neglect coming together with those who are of the faith, those who are believers, those who are saints. We neglect coming together with the people that God has placed in our lives. We have to recognize that. You have to recognize, I, I would even say right now, some of you need to recognize the people that he has in your life, God has in your life. So community keeps you by the fire. And here's, a, here's another thing that happened. Community gets you when you wander from the fire. It gets you when you wander from the fire because there's nothing worse than walking away or being lost or dislodged and nobody knows that you've fallen. Nobody knows that you're hurting. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, it says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Have anybody out there been in any real trouble? That you've fallen and no one knew. I remember in the 80s that there was this, there was this campaign, Friends Don't Let Friends Drive Drunk. Y'all remember that? There's a lot of things that friends don't let friends do. And here's the thing. It's our responsibility to be friendly so we can have some friends. You can't be mean all the time and have friends. Come on, somebody. You can't be mad at everybody all the time and everybody have to measure up to all your expectations. Sometimes you got to humble yourself. Turn to somebody and say, humble yourself. No cop, say, humble yourself. If you humble yourself, you'll have some friends. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Friends don't let friends misrepresent themselves in public. Friends don't let friends walk around. You know, if you walk out, out of a bathroom with some toilet tissue on your feet, <laughs> friends don't let friends do that. Friends don't let friends walk around breathing on people and your breath is not adequate. <laughs> I, I, used, I wanted to say the other word, stank. But I just say adequate. <laughs> listen, friends, listen to this, listen to this. Friends don't let friends be alone in the holidays. That's where we're at. Friends don't let friends disappear from church and you don't talk to them for a long time. Friends don't let friends, listen to me, friends don't let friends blaze a trail to hell without trying to do something about stopping them. Proverbs, I mean, 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone, is looking for someone to devour. I love this quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It says, sin demands to have a man by himself. It, withdraw, it withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more attractive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous in his isolation. That's what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says. Here's, here's what I want you to know. There's always a good reason to not gather with the saints. I'll say it like this. There's always a good reason to not gather with the saints. 
And demonic forces love to give good reasons why there are other things, look at this, more important. There's no one in here that will say that community is not important. Who in here would say community is important? Raise your hand. You see that? No one here, Norcross, no one at North, North Cobb that's going to say community is not important. Because all of us know that. But what the enemy does, he says, yeah, Nick, is, community is important. But, but right now, there's something more important. You know, Cindy, you know, you need to be getting with some people. You know, you're having a tough time right now. Uh, but right now, your rest, your beauty sleep, you need, you need to get your sleep. Because you're not going to be good for people if you don't go back to sleep right now. And those people, they'll understand. Matter of fact, they probably need to be sleep too. <laughs> There's always a more important reason not to gather with people. But I want you to remember who you are. If you're just any normal person, then okay. But you're a saint. You're a saint. I got to... I think it's important, even in this season, for some of, some of us, you're, you're at home, like, and I think there's good reasons for you to be at home watching online. And some of it, some people are in a hospital right now, some people are in another country, some people, you know, you have some sickness, disease, or ailment that hinders you, and some people, you don't need to be around people because of your immune system, all of those things. All of those things. Some people, because you're working right now, like you work on Sundays and you work, and at the same time, you take your break, you listen to Sunday service, all of those things. But then there's some people. What, what, what happened? <laughs> the enemy will draw you. Here's what, he'll, here's what he'll do. He'll draw you away with something good. Like, I need to make a little bit more money. I need to do this. Or, you know, I need to prepare. I need to go watch the Saints of New Orleans play. That's, that is not a good reason. That is not a good reason. <laughs> All of those things. But he'll, he'll draw you away for a good reason or a good desire to entangle you with a deadly desire. Because that's what he does. You know, and it's like this. He'll trick you with something good in order to get you entangled. I have two dogs, two dogs, um, and when I'm getting ready to leave the house, I have to put the dogs into, you know, their, their dog pen, right? And so I'm getting ready to leave. The boy dog, he just comes and he goes right into the pen. And if I'm getting ready to leave, Thor just goes and gets into the pen. The girl dog is different. You know, she's like, are you going to do something to prove to me that I need to really come into to the pen? 
So I, so I rattled some, some baking strips. I rattled a baking strip bag. They call begging strips so that she can come out. And then when she comes out, I capture her and I put her in the county. Not the, the dog, the dog penitentiary. I put it. <laughs> and oftentimes that's what happened. We're drawn away. We're drawn away and tempted. And the enemy catches us by ourselves because we don't value this. We don't have community. And there's many people right now, you wouldn't admit it, but you're wandering away from God. Like you're walking away. You're silently walking away. You, you know, we kind of feel like, oh, uh, feel like they're getting distant. And we ask you, hey, everything okay? And you're kind of like walking away. Just imagine, like BJ, just walk away, walk away. Oh, he, oh okay. There we go. <laughs> oh, he acting. All right. <laughs> But oftentimes, we let's just let people do this and let them walk away instead of, no, brother, uh-uh, instead of grabbing people, people wander out. See, here's what community do, does. Community will go get you. Community will go get you. Hey, BJ, I know you're saying everything is good, but everything is not good. Everything is not good. It's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're isolated. It's not good. I understand, look, that, that you feel like people have done you wrong or things happen, but it's not good. We need to get you back in community. I know you, you're busy, but brother, look, I need to see your face. I need to spend some time with you. We need to be back in community. We have to go get people. And here's what I know. All of us have people right now. If you're thinking about it, you have some people that are walking away right now that you haven't took the step to go get community, the saints, the communion of the saints will go get you when you wander off. And how many of you are saints in here? Amen. Come on, somebody. We have to go get those people as they're walking off. Your friends, your loved ones, your children. Don't just let them walk away without trying. It's our, it's our call. It's what Jesus told Peter. Look, Peter, I know that you've gotten, you've gotten busy and you're getting back to what you're doing, but Peter, I need you to go feed the sheep. I need you to go get them. I need you to go be with them. And that's not just a call for Peter. That is a call for the church to go get them, to be with them, to bring them back into community, to walk them right back over here to this fire. And get them stirred back up again. Because that's what God called us to do. It's to stir up one another. Somebody say, stir up one another. Even right now, I know that even in this building right now, some of you need to be stirred up. Stirred up, stirred up, stirred up, stirred up. Stir up what God has put inside of you. There's calling, there's gifting, there's passion in your life. And here's why it comes alive when you do it with people. It comes alive when you connect that passion to a people, to a person. It comes alive when that happens. And if you don't connect proximity-wise, you're not going to find the passion that God has for you in this world. Community goes and get you when you wander. Last point, community. Community invite others to the fire. Community invite others to the fire. Now, this one is important because I feel like oftentimes we get in a place that it's like us four and no more. Like, okay, yeah, well, I, got, I got Nick, Cindy, BJ, 
But I noticed something that these people are from different seasons of my life. And there was a little bit of intention, at least a little bit of intentionality for us to build and continue to build relationship. You have to always be inviting someone to the fire. Keep inviting someone to the fire. That's what God has called us to do. Don't be just okay with, with your crew, with your clique, just with us four and no more. We have to wake up, wake up to the, the, to the reality that as the world gets darker, as lawlessness abounds, the world is going to grow colder. And if we're not connected to the presence and passion of God through other people, how Jesus actually set this thing up, we will grow cold. You will grow cold. I will grow cold. And we can't allow that to happen. Now, I, I, and I just pray today as I'm going through this message that you really, really hear what I'm saying. Really hear this. You need to find the people. Find the people in your community. Here, here, here's one of the things that we learn from Jesus is that Jesus chose his people. Which means there's a sense of intentionality surrounding who you do relationship with. And intentionality, it rests in the invite, inviting people, but also it's this idea of when someone invites you, receive the invitation. Like in this church right now, there may be some people who have been talking on the road right before service and you you know, you got each other's name, you talked and had a conversation, and then you just left it right there. But God may be wanting to do something deeper in the relationship. You never know what God is doing in a relationship. You never know that your next business partner may be right next to you. Oh, God, I don't even want to say this. You never know. I mean, your husband and wife... <laughs> Lord have mercy. I don't even want to say that. <laughs> Your next covenant relationship could be right next to you. But you have to invite people into your, into your circle. And here's the thing. You don't have to invite people to a place. You can invite people into your person, who you are. But we have to step out and courage and make the invite. You have to step out and encourage and make the invite. Sometimes we have to do what Peter did. You know, Peter was on his boat. That's where he was. We saw Peter step out of the boat, and look, he stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus twice. This time, he swam 100 yards to get to Jesus. And sometimes we have to step out out of the boat to invite people into our circle. Get a little uncomfortable. Get yourself in an environment that you're not used to. I'm not used to walking out here in, in the audience when I'm, when I'm preaching. But in your life, there's spaces that you need to get uncomfortable and begin to invite people in the circle because it's not only about keeping the fire going, going it's about starting a fire in other people. 
starting the fire in someone who needs to know who Jesus is. They need to know that Jesus is alive. They need the hope of salvation. Some people are about to break in this season, and some people are one step away from giving it, giving it up. And all it takes is a, hey, let's do some coffee together. Some people are putting out fleeces to God. God, if you don't speak to me right now, today I'm done with this. And God is speaking to you and saying, hey, won't you, hey, won't you go over there and just say something to that person? He's like, well, no, I got something else to do. Not knowing that it's a God appointment. It is a God-designed assignment. You remember Philip, when he was on his way walking out, the Ethiopian unit was riding, and they, he was on the, on the chariot, and he was reading something, and Philip just looked up, and the Holy Spirit prompted him to go over and to ask a question. What are you reading? That question changed the nation, y'all. That question took the gospel into Ethiopia. That invite that you have will change the world. So you have to invite people. And sometimes people are inviting us to the table and we're not receiving the invite. What's up, man? Hey, come up here. Come to the fire. Now, now he didn't know I was going to call him up here now. So he's just coming. But he received the invite. He received the invite, not knowing if I was going to put him on the spot, ask him to do something crazy. He received the invite just because, you know what? I'm courageous enough to do it. I'm going to leave you with this, and I'm going to let you go. Leave you with this. You can invite people to community. I want to give you a couple things. How can I invite people to community? Number one, introduce yourself to people before you leave today. Is that hard? It begins the journey. Introduce yourself to people before you leave today. Two, and here's the thing. I'm not giving you something that you're going to do like tomorrow, today. Slow down as you leave church and take the time to build a relationship. There's some relationships that have already started budding and because you don't have time or you feel like you don't have time, you're going to see that person, you're going to say, well, I don't really have time. You're going to shoot to the car. Stop. You never know what God is doing. He may be kindling a fire in you. He may be blessing you through the relationship that he's inviting you into. Number three, invite someone over to, for the holidays. If you have an empty seat at your table, invite somebody over. Few of us would love to come over and have your cook. Got a fish fry going? Here's, here's some official ways. Hosting a small group. Leading a small group. Now, this one is important. These next two, they're very important because when we talk about what happened in Jerusalem and the fire breaking out all over Jerusalem, listen, the church overall will never get bigger than the principle of house churches and small groups and homes. 
That's the, that's the heartbeat of a church. And some of you have a calling on your life or have an assignment on your life. And some of you just say, hey, I need something new and fresh. When you bring new people into your circle, bring new people into your home, it causes you to live at another level. It causes you to expand at another level. So we're having a small group. Make it official. We're having a small group uh, leadership interest meeting and training online Saturday, December 17th at 10 a.m. There's no excuse. Get online. Be a part of this small group training. North Cobb, be a part of this small group training. Listen, you don't have to know all the Bible to be, uh, be, a part, be a small group leader. You have to be available. Availability is the key. And here's another way. Launch, launch a house church. We've been making that call. Some of you need to step out a little broader into the deep and make the call. And that's what we need to do. So look, I want you to do this. I want you to stand to your feet. Give these people a hand, my friends. The, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Amen. 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 I want to pray over us. Father, I thank you. Thank you for each and every person here today. I thank you, Lord, that you're putting out the call for community with believers. And I pray, Lord, that everything I've spoken would hit the heart. I pray right now for the person who is here today who have not come into community with you. If you haven't come into community with Jesus, this is your opportunity to say, you know what? I want to come to the fire with Jesus. I want to come to the fire with the good shepherd. Meaning, I want to make him Lord of my life. I want to make him Savior of my life. I want to surrender my life to him. He died on the cross for us to give us life eternal, but also to give us abundant life in community today. If you need that and you want that, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe that because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, that I have relationship with God because I believe on his name. Lord, I repent of my sin. I say, Lord, I take my sin and remember it no more. I make up my mind to be in community first, Jesus, with you with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name. I want to pray a blessing. Father, I thank you for everyone who heard this word. I pray, Lord, that it would bring forth fruit. Give us courage to receive the invitation to community. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen.